0: Give him a shout of praise in this place this morning. If you believe he's great, why don't you give him a shout of praise this morning. Why don't you just stay standing just for a minute while we read God's word for us this morning before we start today's message. If you've been with us the past few weeks, you'll know we've been doing a series all about David and it's my job today to not just continue that series but to conclude that series. I know some of you are very disappointed but all good things must sadly come to an end and uh, I'm excited to share what I feel God's given me for you today and we're going to start today's journey with what's probably the most well-known event in David's life. when he goes up against the giant, when he faces and defeats the warrior that they called Goliath. Now some of you will have heard this story many times over the years, but I want to encourage you, don't let familiarity become a barrier to you receiving something fresh from God today. Think of it like one of those great movies, you know, the ones you watch again and again, but you still see something new every time you watch it. You may be able to lip-sync every line from every character, from every scene, but you still spot something you hadn't seen before. That's the beauty of God's Word for us today. I believe His Word is active. I believe it's alive. I believe it has everyday applicable stuff for us. It's as relevant today as it has ever been. And we're going to pick up this story in 1 Samuel 17. If you've got your Bibles... Turning me with 1 Samuel 17 where we're going to find David psyching himself up for what was to come so he'd just been told that he's crazy he said I'll do it I'll take on this challenge and he just been told you're a fool you don't stand a chance you have no proven track record that even hints that you might be able to be capable of the challenge ahead but who here knows that the grace of God for us in our lives, will trump a track record, every time. And here's his response. Read in verse 34, it's in your notes, we're reading from the message today. It says, David said, I've been a shepherd tending my sheep for my father. Whenever a lion or bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb a public service announcement. It's about to get a bit graphic. He said, if it turned on me, I would grab it by the throat. I would wring its neck and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. Now he's starting to sound like the Bear Grylls of 3,000 years ago now. You know, maybe if David was still with us today, he'd have his own TV show. He'd be sucking venom out of his tone, drinking his own pee. Maybe he does have what it takes after all. But this is the verse I want to draw attention to as we kick off today. He said this, The same God that delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. You see, our God is a God of deliverance. God has got your back and he's got everything you need for the season that you're in. See, David reminded himself that God had been faithful as he stepped into his future. He said, he did it before, so why can't he do it again? Turn to your neighbor and say, God did it before. So why can't he do it again? He can do it again, people. Today I want to speak to you about the success and the scars. Father God, I just pray as we dig into your word this morning that we would catch something of your heart, something of your passion for people. Lord, I pray that burdens would be lifted, that our heads would be lifted. As we hear what you've got to give to us today, Lord, I just pray we have ears to hear. I pray you give me the words to speak. And I just pray we would leave here with a greater understanding of you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your seats. So today we're finishing this series on David, and we've been getting to know him well. And uh, we've called the series Dave, because that's what you do, right? When you get to know someone well, you start calling them by something that sounds a bit more familiar. You don't call them by their real name, you start being a bit less formal. For those of you who have never met me, my name is Simon. That's the name my mother gave me. But those of you who do know me, even just a little bit, will know that I'm not really known by that name. You'll know me as Sai. It's more familiar. And it was actually my wife that started this. She started calling me Sai very shortly after we got to know each other. And um, looking back, I see that she really made an effort to make it stick quite quickly. And it was... Only a little while into our relationship that I found out that this was no accident, this was a very deliberate ploy. You see, my confession this morning is, my wife thinks I have a stupid name. (laughs) So she reinvented me, she's like, couldn't bring herself to tell people that she was dating a guy called Simon, because she felt it sounded a bit too much like a scientist. Ironic, given I went to study a science-based degree, but she reinvented me, and, and it stuck. For better or for worse, people know me as Sai, as And I don't know, apologies if you're here today, and, and your name is Simon. We can meet afterwards. We can start a prayer group. I mean, I'm over it, mostly. And we've been spending the last few weeks getting to know this man, Dave. And we've really dug deep into what makes Dave, Dave. He's a pretty incredible guy. He was chosen to be king by God at at such a young age. He then went on and had military exploits that were ten times that of his predecessor. He was a, a songwriter, a warrior, a leader. And you might hear that and think, well, there's something quite special about this man. And you'd be right. But you might also hear that and think, well... I'm a little bit too ordinary for this to really relate to me. For me to learn any lessons from his life. And you'd be wrong. Because despite all his greatness, he was still human. He was still fallible. He had his fair share of low points. I mean, boy, did, did this guy have his fair share of low points. And we've been exploring some of those this series. And you might also be thinking, well, what is this particular story, this story of David and Goliath, how can that have any real-day application for me now? It's about champion warfare. It's about a young boy defeating a giant in a one-on-one fight to the death. It all sounds a little bit too HBO fantasy epic to have any real-world value. But let me ask you this. Have you never felt in life like you've got something that's looming over you? Like you haven't got the credentials for the challenge ahead. You don't have what it takes. We all face challenges in life. Some big, and some small. Sometimes giant challenges. They could be spiritual, they could be emotional, they could be physical, they could be practical. Every day has its challenges. And when the full title of this series is Dave, an everyday hero, and I really believe that we can learn a lot from this everyday hero for our everyday challenges, and that's what we're going to look at today. So here we are, 1 Samuel, a standoff between two armies. If we we were to just rewind just a little bit, we'll see that the Philistines, who were enemies of the Israelites, had gathered their army and had set up camp. Now, they gathered on one hill, and the Israelites gathered in defense on another hill, and between them was a valley. And the Philistines began to start hurling insults over the valley at the Israelites. And you see, even when the enemy can't reach you, even when he can't touch you, he'll still try and taunt you. And this Philistine army brought the same taunts and the same challenge day after day to the Israelites for 40 days. Show us what you got, they would say. Give us your best. Choose a man to fight. They were demanding that the battle would be settled by single combat. The best fighter from one army against the best fighter from the other, the result of which would determine the result of the entire battle. Those were the terms, and this was the challenge. Sounds pretty fair, except it's recorded that the one offering the challenge was nine foot nine tall, and that he'd been a warrior since his youth. His name was Goliath, and he was their most elite fighter. And for 40 days, the Israelites were content to wake up each morning and listen to this challenge and take zero action. No one had the guts to face the giant. You see, they were staring at their problem, but not making a start on the solution. Does that sound familiar? I don't know about you. I I do this all the time. And my wife and I, we've recently moved house. I say recently, it's six months ago now, which makes this story all the worse. Um, we were fortunate enough to move into a house with an extra bedroom. And uh, can't really call it a bedroom, it's, it's, a, it's a box room really. And it's not a box room because it's a small room, it's, it's quite a big room. But a bedroom's a bedroom if it's got a bed in it. And this room has nothing but boxes. It's literally a box room. Now, we've all been there, we, we move into a new place and we want to feel settled, so we cram all of our junk behind one closed door so it can make it feel like we've unpacked and we've settled down without finishing the job. So we've just got this one bit of our house that we don't make any use of. And uh, the problem is, the longer you leave it, the less motivation you have to change it. I've become quite content to stare at this painted white door on my landing. And uh, I know there's a lot that could be gained from sorting this out, but it's going to be a big job. Uh, I know the phrase, no pain, no gain. Everyone's heard that? Well, I live like this, no pain, no pain. That's me. You can write that one down. That's for free. Take that away today. Stick it up on your fridge. I'm just kidding, but the thing is that's crazy is I'll go to this room often, actually, and I'll open the door, and I'll look at the stuff. I'll stare at the problem, and I'll say, just look at all this, this stuff. I'll say it to myself, just, just look at all this junk. And it's worse now than it's ever been because now we just, that's where we dump anything. I don't just look at it myself. I call my wife, Rihanna. I say, Rihanna, come and look at all this stuff. And then she'll come in and she'll go, oh, look, look at all this stuff. And we'll look at it. And then we'll close the door and we'll forget about it for a week. I'm staring at my problem. I'm willing to make a start on the solution. And the Israelites were doing... The exact same thing. Enter David. Dave. Now, Dave wasn't even supposed to be a part of this battle. Little Dave was supposed to be at home. See, while his brothers went to join the crowd of cowards who weren't going to stand up and face the challenge ahead of them, he was supposed to be back home looking after the family livestock, looking after the sheep. And it was only because he happened to be bringing his brothers some lunch that he would stumble upon what would probably be the most defining moment in his life. Isn't it funny how so often that's the case? We can look back on moments in our life and we can say that moment probably had the largest impact for me. That was such a pivotal moment for me. And yet, it just propped up from nowhere. We weren't expecting it, we didn't ask for it, and it just kind of came up. This was a massive moment for Dave. Dave. It would propel him into the company of King King Saul and position him for advancement. This was like the biggest career move ever. So he goes from being shepherd boy to second in command. But in this moment, he decided to make his one and only life matter. He wasn't just content to coast like all the other Israelites around him, just letting to see how this is all gonna pan out. I'm sure if Dave hadn't turned up, it would have been a lot longer than 40 days. He wanted to take on the giant. So he goes to King Saul and he says this in verse 32 Master, said David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. I see King Saul now thinking, boy, if I hadn't given up hope, I have now. This teenage boy's coming up to me, going to solve all my battles, the fights I should be fighting. And Saul answered him, You can't go and fight this Philistine. You are too young and inexperienced. And he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. Thanks, Saul. Always an encourager. Isn't it amazing how quickly other people can think of reasons why you can't achieve your ambitions? You're too young. You're too old. You're not smart enough, not pretty enough. It can't be done. You'll never make it. Be more realistic. Stop Setting yourself up for disappointment. Don't ever let others dictate to you your destiny. Don't let anyone else dictate to you your destiny. If God has a plan for you, he'll provide what you need to get it done. And David, in this moment, could have been so easily deterred, but but let's remember what he said. We read it already. He said this, the same God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. He's saying the God that made it happen yesterday is going to make it happen today. See, not only was this a big moment for David, it was also a very very public moment. This was a a huge spectacle, All eyes were on him now as he fights this fight. Two whole armies watching. You see, the thing that gave him what he needed was remembering the time when no one was watching. See, this might have been his public success, but it followed private struggles. And so often in life, our public successes can follow private struggles. And everyone wants the success, but few people are ready for the struggle. And we can so ready look at people who we think in some area have got it good and we can make our mind up so instantly and say, hey, you know, it's, it's easy for them. This must come so easily to them. But that's because we don't have the whole picture. We don't have the whole story, we just have the highlight reel, we have the Instagram feed, the perfectly curated version of somebody's life. So we'll see the happy couple in the sunset, but we won't see the fights they have about who's doing the laundry. Or even this morning we'll see our our amazing worship team leading us so skillfully. They do such a great job, but we don't see the Tuesday night, the rehearsal time, We don't see the hours and hours and years they've spent honing their craft. We see the public success, but not the private struggle. And life is always a mix of both, success and struggle. Just look at today. I mean, we're watching the events of an attack unfold in our capital city. Today, even between services, I've got to change out of this, I've got to go to a funeral. It's not all success. It's sometimes struggle. And it's not always that we ask for the struggle. Not many people go around life trying to make life more difficult for themselves. I'm pretty sure that Dave didn't want to have to defend himself against this lion and bear. I'm pretty sure he would have been quite content with a happy day at the office. You know, just letting the sheep do whatever the sheep do. I don't know what sheep do. Well, he does whatever Dave does, like writing songs that people are still ripping off 3,000 years later. It's just the kind of guy he is. But see, the struggles that he faced were formative for his future. And you might be in the middle of a struggle in your life today. And you may not want it. You may not have asked for it. But regardless of how it came about, God will be with you through it. Now, I personally don't believe that struggle comes from God. I don't think that struggles, his way of teaching us things, I don't believe he deliberately brings things on us always. I don't think everything's like that. But I do know this, he will be with you. And who knows what this might prepare you for. Maybe today's trial could end up being tomorrow's triumph. So we're going to look at three lessons from Dave this morning. Preparation, provision, and perspective. And we've already looked at the first of those, the lion and the bear, this was his preparation. And then the sling and the stones, therefore, must surely be his provision. See, David had now stepped up, but now he needed to tool up. He needed to choose his weapon for the fight that was ahead. Because feeling ready and getting ready are two different things. Enthusiasm isn't enough. See, I can have the best will in the world, but without the right tools for the job, I'm gonna fail time after time after time after time. We can be excited but ill-equipped for the job ahead. But let's look at what happens next. After this conversation with Saul, he says, Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on the sword and the tunic and tried to walk around because he was not used to them. Isn't it funny how the same people who tell you that you can't do something will then start telling you how to do it? Yeah? They try to get you to fight your battles with their weapons. Now, I'm no home improvement expert. Anyone who's seen any of my DIY can attest to that. But I do know this, that even with the right tools that all the experts would say you should use, without the proper training, you can make more of a mess than you start with. You can cause more damage with the right tools without the training. You've got to use sometimes what you're used to, even if it's not necessarily what other people would think is the right thing. And so David says this, Pick it up in verse 38, I cannot go in these, he said, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. David selected the sling and the stones over the sword and the shield. But why? Because this was the skill that he had. This was David's fight. So he needed David's weapons. And with the skills he had, he defeated the giant. And he saved his entire nation from being subjected to slavery. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that you need what they have to get through what you're going through. If only I had their courage, if only I had the talent that they have, or the time, or the money, and we can close our eyes and we can dream about all the things that we don't have, or we could open our eyes and we can see what we do have, and we can see what's around us. See, David just used what was around him. He had the eyes to see what he needed for the moment. He had expert vision. He had pro-vision. Provision. The word provision comes from a Latin word, and it literally means to foresee, which got me thinking. Maybe if you can't see it, you don't need it. Maybe if God isn't giving me what I'm continually asking him for, Maybe I already have what I need. Maybe I just need to open my eyes. Maybe I need to get better at vision and see his provision. David lived a life in which he consistently saw God's provision. So much so that when he was older, he would go on to write this beautiful verse in Psalm thirty-seven twenty-five, that said, I was young, but now I'm old. But I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. And I got me wondering, what was so special about David that he could write that? Why did he see so much of God's provision in his life? And I've been reading again and something stood out to me. So fast forward from this encounter with Goliath. That was a massive springboard for David. He goes and serves alongside the king. He's sent on further military missions and quickly becomes a high-ranking officer in the king's army. In fact, he was so successful that the people of the nation started to admire David more than they admired the king. And the king was like, super annoyed about this, really cheesed that David was stealing all the glory and so threatened that he tries to kill him not once but several times. And then we find David ends up fleeing for his life. And he ends up on the run being hunted. Isn't it funny how sometimes when we feel threatened, the natural reaction is to lash out? And that maybe some of our insensitivities are just fueled by insecurity. And it's here we find David in 1 Samuel chapter 21 He's run away, and he's at a place with the unfortunate name of Knob. I thought I'd just get out there now. I only have to say it once. I've done it now. I can move on. He's on the run, and he had to leave so quickly. that He has no supplies. He has no men, and he has no weapons. He is in a desperate place. And so he goes and finds the local priest, and he says to him, how can I have five loaves of bread? And he's so desperate, he even says, or, or whatever you can find, anything. And the priest said to him, I'm sorry, I don't have any ordinary bread. I've only got this bread, this, but this bread is holy bread. It's this is bread we use as part of our ceremonies. It's been blessed, and it's all I got. You're welcome to it. You can have it as long as you haven't done anything that would make it inappropriate for you to have it. See, this bread was, was holy, and, and in those times, this holy bread, in order to consume it or take part of it, the person doing that would also need to be holy. And David's response is this. 1 Samuel 21, verse 5. My men remain holy. Even on missions that are not holy. My men remain holy, even on missions that are not holy. Just take a moment to think about that. You see, David made sure he was in the right place to receive God's provision, regardless of whether that was the normal thing to do. David's position determined his provision. And maybe we don't position ourselves to expect God's provision enough. And maybe we think our current situation isn't really God-related, so why would he provide for us? And we can so easily box God in. We can open the box on Sunday and we can sing about his greatness and his provision and then we close the box on Monday morning and we stop including him in our everyday and practical life. And we'll say things like, God's not interested in my work deadline. Or God can't help me with my exams. God's interested in all of it. There is no divide for him, and there is nothing that he cannot do. He doesn't see spiritual and practical. He sees you, all of you, all of it. He wants to be a part of your life from dawn until dusk, and then the Bible even says when you go to sleep, he watches over you. He is obsessed with you. But do we live like that? Do we live with an expectation that he can and wants to provide for us do we position ourselves for provision and to see the provision? There's so one final thing I want to share with you today from this story, and it's about our perspective on our past. See, sometimes we can forget about the past and we can move on and never think about it, but I believe that God can use our past in a way to shape our present And I believe he can use our past in a way to fulfill his promise. The blank in your notes is using our past as a tool for our present. And I promise we're finishing soon, but I just want to share this one thing with you all before we close. Musicians, you can come back. You can give the people some hope. God's really given me something here. I just feel like... If you really get hold of this, for some of you, this will be a real release. This is going to cause you to be able to walk with your head held a little bit higher. Because here's the thing, even the negative parts of your past can still have a positive part to play in your future. There's no doubt that for some of us, the challenges that we've faced in life have been tough. And they don't always end the way that we plan. So jobs can be lost. Relationships can break down. Loved ones might not recover. And this can all take its toll. It can start to leave a mark on us. It can leave us scarred. And sometimes even the struggles that end in success might leave some scars. The lion and the bear probably left some scars for Dave. We read that he has to, when the bear and the lion, they turn on him, he seizes them with his bare hands. And maybe he picked up some scars along the way. Perhaps they served as a reminder for him, a reminder of his success but also a reminder of his struggle. And our stories are often a mix, success and struggle, success and scars. And we go around showcasing the success, but we make an effort to hide the scars. But the scars are as much a part of the story as the success. And they have a part to play in the telling of our story. Just look at Jesus. This is how I know it's okay for us to have scars. Because Jesus, who was nailed to a cross for you and for me, who was dead and buried but raised to life, not as a zombie but in a supernatural resurrected body, still bore scars. He didn't just come back to life as he was, he came back better. We read that he was able to miraculously appear in locked rooms before the disciples and then suddenly disappear from view from the travelers on the road to Emmaus. His body wasn't just ordinary after his resurrection. It was like body 2.0. It's what the Bible calls his glorified body. And yet, and yet, he still had the scars that told his story. And for one of his followers, it made all the difference. We usually call this person Doubting Thomas. But I recently heard a preacher give him a better name, Honest Thomas. Honest Thomas said this, In John chapter 20. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Good for you. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. See, for Thomas, honest Thomas, these scars said more than the words ever could These scars are what made the success real. No scars, no success. No battle, no victory. No cross, no crown. Without these scars, we would have zero hope, no salvation, no savior. Because they showed that what held him couldn't hold him and the death couldn't beat him. And for this skeptic, Jesus was identified by these scars in his hands. And so what might have served as a reminder for Jesus of what he'd been through was a revelation to Thomas. And our reminders become the next person's revelation if we decide not to keep the scars a secret now I'm not talking about open wounds these are the private struggles that you might be going through now I'm talking about using the past the things that are finished and dealt with as a weapon for the future so often as Christians we like to bury the past we like to pretend it never happened and forget about all the hurt we've been through But the scar is something to celebrate because the scar is not a wound. The scar is a wound that's healed. They literally say, I am healed. And it's not saying it's okay, but neither is it saying it didn't happen. It might not have been right. It might have been the world's biggest injustice that happened to you. But rather than forgetting it, we can proclaim it. We can say, the war held us doesn't hold us anymore, and our scars say, "This is who I used to be. This is where I am today, and this is the person that brought me there. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you about him." See you intended to harm me But God intended it for the good to accomplish What is now being done The saving of many lives These were the words of Joseph in the Old Testament But they could be our words too The scars might not be a reminder for you Of what God saved you from But maybe for what God saved you for This is weapon reversal people This is turning the tables And you know there's one more thing There's one more thing that David received from this priest when he was on the run and I'm closing with this I promise he said to the priest don't you have a spear or sword here I haven't bought my sword or any other weapon because the king's mission was urgent watch what happens next he says the priest replied the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you killed in the valley is here It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. I'm sorry, but there's there's no other sword here but that one. David said, there's none like it. Give it to me. There is none like it. Give it to me. David embraced his history. Here it is, ready? The weapon that threatened him yesterday became his tool for today and the thing that hurt you yesterday can help other people tomorrow are you getting this when we allow our scars to become part of our story when you allow your reminders to become somebody else's revelation come on let's stand to our feet we're going to worship God in this place we're going to give him the praise he deserves